I started going to Northridge back in the early 2000s. I had been diagnosed with major depression. So I was on medication. I was seeing a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And I would go to Northridge and Brad spoke to me. Everything that I needed to hear to get out of the depression. And I thought, I need to get involved in something in the church. So since I'm a sewer and I'm a quilter, and I thought, well, if I'm doing this for just me, I can also do some quilting for the Lord. And so I've been going now, I know it's been well over 10, 10 years. We make quilts for the uh, women's shelters, One Day with God. Whenever anyone requests one for their uh, loved one who's sick or ill or whatever, uh, we try to accommodate them. I always say there's no such thing as a perfect quilt, but to whoever receives it, it's usually a perfect quilt for them. I love to make people happy. It makes me happy. It's therapy for me, and it all works out. There's about six or seven regular quilters, six or seven of us. Uh, we need help, desperately. You don't have to be talented. We can teach you how to sew. We can teach you how to cut. We can teach you how to match fabrics together. We'll teach you. We get a, lot, a little loud sometimes, but it's all in, you know, it's in fun. Man, woman, child, we're here. We'll work with you. Good morning. So good to see you. Thank you for being here at Plymouth. I appreciate all of you here, guests and regular attenders, and want to give a special greeting to all our regional campuses, Northridge Saline, Northridge Grosseal, Northridge Brighton. Glad to have you with us. And you may not know, we have people who stream live with us all around the world when we're doing our services, and then we have people watching on demand. But however you're engaging us, I I'm excited that you're a part of this series called About Me. It's an interesting series because it's got two sides. About Me, it's, it really is about facing the reality of our needs, the, the crises that we face in our lives, but, but it's more about God's eternally written word to us, his About Me in the Bible. We get to learn that He's the one that can meet our deepest needs. He is the solution to all of our needs. He has a name for all of our needs. And I have to tell you, I, I've made a lot of bad choices in my life just because I didn't understand the reality of my own needs. I, I didn't understand what it was in me driving me to make the choices I was making. And then as a parent, I, I watched my kids do the same thing. They, 
They were great kids. They are great kids, but they made some messed up choices in an attempt to meet a need in their lives that they didn't even yet understand or didn't know they had. It was my job as a parent to help them see that, to understand that. And I have to tell you, as, as a pastor over time, I, I've learned that the same is true of all of us. We, we have needs that we don't even understand, that we haven't come to grips with, that, that drive us to make these choices that turn out to be so destructive in our lives, and we have to understand it. If we're going to overcome the tendency that all of us have to make bad choices in our lives, we, we have to come to a fuller understanding of the needs that lie behind them, of the needs that are driving us. And here's the reality. Our greatest need is love. I mean, some of you might even have a hard time reckoning with that, embracing that concept. You're driven to so many different things, but behind all of the things we're driven to is this great need for love. This need for love drives us and ultimately defines us above all others. It determines the choices that we do and don't make in life, and it ultimately determines the quality of the lives we live. And this isn't me up here just babbling this thought. This is what God said straight up. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I have the capacity to understand everything in the universe. I mean, that big of a capacity and to tell it, to speak it, to prophesy of it. And, and let's go further than that. He says, if I have a faith that's so powerful, so supernaturally in touch that, that my faith can move mountains, I I become obviously the superhero of the world if I have that kind of, of knowledge and that kind of faith, but have not love? Three words, I am nothing. Who cares if I have all that stuff if I don't have love? It's our greatest need as human beings. We need love, we can't live without love in any fulfilling way and our need to find it drives us to all kinds of choices. And here's our common problem, our common challenge. We tend to look for love in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. I mean, it's just who we are as human beings. We, we need this love. It's, it drives us and we tend to look for it in all the wrong ways and places. Simply put, we, we attempt to satisfy our great need for love in ways that ultimately don't and can't satisfy it. And sadly, many of us don't even know that that's what's driving us, and yet it is. To find it, we often make really bad choices. I know I have. I've watched my kids. I've watched kids all around the world. I've watched you do the same thing. In fact, the ways we use and the places we go to ultimately try to find love often become destructive hurricane-like forces in our lives. I mean, some of us seek love through performance, and this is pretty interesting, right? I mean, we feel if we really perform well, if we live up to people's expectations of us or a person's expectations to us, then, then, then they'll love us. But boy, that doesn't work. Because what we find is that 
When someone tries to manipulate us by withholding love until we perform, all they're going to do is the same thing that Lucy does with Charlie Brown in the football. If you do this, I'll do it, boom, you know, and pull the football and we go flying again. Performance doesn't win people's love. If they don't love us unconditionally, performance won't make us loved anymore by them. But we try it and it doesn't work. We also try to find love through so many other messed up means. We, we're driven to find love and sometimes we try to find it through getting a new position in life. You know, boy, if I, if I could have that position, I did, I, I'd, I'd then feel loved. But then we get that position and we don't feel loved. And then so we start vying for another position in life. And it's true vocationally, but it's also true in life. If, if I could just be someone's spouse, oh my gosh, then I'd feel loved. How's that working for you, right? We, we try to find love through achievement. If, if I achieve stuff, then even if others don't love me, I'll feel love, but it isn't true. We, we try to find love through pleasure and possessions and wealth and it doesn't work. Many try to find love. It's so sad and it's not just young people, it's older people too. Try to find love through, through satisfying our sexual urges and it just... It doesn't work. It actually usually works in the opposite where we end up feeling more empty and more alone and more ashamed and more uncared for. We, we try to fill our need for love even sometimes, and this is bizarre, through our problems. And you might be here going, I don't pursue love through my problems. Oh, I, be I bet you do. I bet you do. I do, times. You see, we rationalize that when people know how badly we're hurting or how badly we've been treated when they really know it, then they'll give us a little love. And so we turn into Eeyores, always whining about our loves, hoping for some love in return. And it doesn't work because the more we're Eeyore, the more they want Winnie the Pooh. Right? So just more rejection and more emptiness. It's sad. These are the things we do. And we don't even often know we're driven for this need for love. And, and we make bad choices to find it. And it doesn't work. Unfortunately, at best, these cheap alternatives only meet our need for, for acceptance and love temporarily. They can never genuinely fill us. They can never permanently fulfill us. They... They can never complete us. It's not how it works. These things always leave us wanting more and ultimately leave us empty. Which leads to our truth this weekend. God is the only source for true and lasting love. He's the only source for true and lasting love. He created us as, as people in his own image needing his love, wanting to live out his love, but without him, we have to fill our lives with cheap alternatives, which means we never experience fulfillment at all. I mean, the Bible says it. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. For, look where it comes from. Love comes from God. So if we're really getting our love from the only true and lasting source of love, God, then we'll love one another. Everyone who loves has been born of God, transformed by God, giving, given a new nature, and, 
and everyone who loves genuinely, genuinely knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because look what it says. This is so good. Love is his name. Do you see it? God is love. It's his name. It's who he is. When we're looking for love and longing for love, it's God we're looking for and longing for. When we're in need of love, it's God who's missing in our lives. And I know we go on philosophical searches and we go on academic searches and we go on searches of all kind, but it all comes back to this one thing. Love's his name and he is the one we're missing when we don't have it. I love how the Apostle John said it in 1 John 4, 19. We, we love, we can love because he first loved us. When, when you turn over an empty cup, nothing comes out of it. In order to spill anything out of a cup, it needs to have something in it. If we're ever going to spill out love in our lives, a good love, a true love, then we need first to be filled up with love and it's only God that can do that. As with every area of our lives, God has a name which can meet our needs for love. Love is his name and many of his names reflect this characteristic of God. And so I, I thought I'd just give you one as an example of it and help you to see more clearly the picture of it and understand it. And, and the name for God that, that I, I want you to focus on his love through is Yahweh Roi. Yahweh Roi. And don't get hooked up in its pronunciation because everybody tells you they know how to pronounce it and no one knows how to pronounce it, really. I mean, you can hear people say, oh, it's Roi. And then you'll hear people say, it's Rohai. You know, and then you'll have people say it's Roe and Rohi. It's like, who gives a crap, really, when it comes right down to it? It's the name that's important, not the pronunciation. And Yahweh Roi means I am the God who shepherds you. And that might not really move into the deeper parts of you just upon the hearing of it and just start really settling in, but when you really understand it, it can change your whole world. I am the God who shepherds you. It's such a powerful concept that, that Psalm 23, verse 1, is one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. It's used in most of the moments of darkness and hurt and grief in our lives. Even for those who don't know God, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Boy, when we're hurting, we need that. Boy, when we're grieving, we need that. Boy, when we're confused, we need that. And it brings comfort to even those who don't even know what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh, Roi, I shall not want. This name provides just a beautiful picture of God's love. And what I'd like to do is like, you can see a picture and you can see its beauty but not understand it, but then when you really analyze it and start looking at the different components of it, you know, the brush strokes or whatever, you start seeing it differently. And I, I want you to look at some of the brush strokes of this picture of God, this painting. I am the Lord who shepherds you. You see, like a shepherd, God fully knows us. And, and this is really the important part. And still loves us fully. Now, as human beings, we're, we're used to portions of that sentence being a reality in our life. At least many of us are. We're, we're used to people loving us, but not when they fully know us. Right? 
I'm really good at the beginning of friendships, but then they find out who I really am, and that's a problem. And this is, and we can make light of it and joke around about it, but this is really a deep human reality. We, we don't want anyone to fully know us because we feel like even if they love us profoundly, they won't love us that profoundly anymore. I've been married 37 years to my precious wife, Roxanne, and I'm telling you, I've never been loved more fully by any human being than my wife, but there are still shadows in me of concern that if she really fully knew me, how I think and feel and things I've done, you know, that maybe she would love me less. And that's the most profound love I know. Do you, do you, do you relate to this at all? This is why we play hide-and-seek with one another. This is why we cover reality with shadows. This is why we create images that aren't true of us. This is why we hyperbolize or lie about our lives. It's because we want to be loved, we desperately want to be loved, and we really feel like if someone really knows who we are, they won't. But it's no fun to be make-believe, to be in a make-believe love relationship, is it? It's not satisfying at all for them to love a shadow that's not real. You feel empty, you feel unloved, you feel rejected even while someone's trying to love you. It's ridiculous. But here's, here's the truth we need to understand. The love we're looking for is a love that no human being can give us because no human being can fully know us no matter how we try to let them know us. But God can't help but fully know us. He knows everything, every shadow, everything about us and yet, and this is where the brushstroke of him being a shepherd is so beautiful, and yet he still fully loves us. That's the love we're looking for. That's the love we need. That's the love that gives us fulfillment. That's the love that can flow through us and be shared without losing anything. But we, we're trying to fill that need for love with messed up choices. Look at how Jesus said it in John 10, 14, and 15. I am the good shepherd, he says. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I, I mean, I know them fully, and yet, look what he says, and yet I lay down my life for the sheep. I know them fully, and yet I still give myself in fullness of love for them. Of course he does. It's who he is. Loves his name, and yet, we run from him, we hide from him. When he's the only one who already knows and still can love us and meet this need. Jeremiah 31.3, look what it says. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It doesn't end, it doesn't start strong and then dissipate it. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. God fully knows us and still fully loves us. That's a beautiful part of this portrait, but it goes further, this portrait of God as a shepherd. Like a shepherd, God is always there for us, always there for us, to guide us, to help us, to care about us, to encourage us. Look at Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. There's no hesitation and tell you I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. I'm always there for you. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because well, of course, because he cares for you. When someone genuinely cares, you know you can throw the junk their way. And he, he always wants you throwing the junk his way because he's always there for you. He always cares. He's your shepherd. 
He loves you, it's his name. He, the portrait even becomes a little bit more clear and beautiful when you see that like a shepherd, God will do anything and everything to protect and provide for us, for you. I mean, that's what the shepherd does. Anything and everything to protect the sheep. Anything and everything to provide for the sheep. It's the, it's the role of the shepherd. It's who God is for us. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is your refuge. There are a lot of verses that talk about God being a refuge or a fortress, a place that we can run into and hide from the storms and from the enemies. You know, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. There are a lot of places, but I chose this verse because of the last part of it. The eternal God is your refuge. He's a protector. He's a shepherd. But underneath are the everlasting arms. He's, he's not just this rock fortress that we can hide in. Underneath are the everlasting arms. When we're in God as a refuge, we're experiencing the loving touch of God in our lives. He'll never let us go like a mother with her babe in arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. It started making me think about all the research that's been done on on loving touch in, in our world. And you can Google it on your own, but there have been no controlled experiments about touch and love with babies because that'd be criminal, it'd be inhumane. You can't withhold love and touch to figure out what happens. But sadly, because of the world in which we live in, there have been many babies who have been left without love or touch or bonding in this world. And the research that's been done on the impact of that in their lives, you know, kids that were raised in orphanages in very harsh environments like Romania during the communistic days and many other areas, any research says that the lack of love and touch so messed these kids up that, I mean, literally changed their physical brain, changed their emotional responses, so difficult for them to overcome because they... They have as their greatest need love and there's no one that's showing them love. And we needed that in the human plane, but the truth is we have God's everlasting arms always there to hold us, always, always. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs. Of course, he's the shepherd who will do anything and everything to provide for us. The bottom line is that God's love is always abounding towards us. And for me, that just immediately brings the picture, and this is kind of weird, but it brings the picture of Niagara Falls to mind. I've had the privilege of being at Niagara Falls a couple of times. I don't know how many of you have. I've been on the American side. It's okay, but I've been on the Canadian side. It's awesome. And uh, that's because we're looking at America. Uh, no, that's not what I mean. It's... The, the Canadian side of the falls is a little bit more demonstrably fantastic. And, and I tell you, it's amazing how the water just keeps coming and coming and coming. It's always abounding. It never stops. It just keeps coming. And I've sat there and I've just gone, where does it all come from? Look at all that water. In fact, here's how weird I am. Did you know that, that they say the Canadian horseshoe part of the falls, the water flows at 600,000 gallons per second. 
And it never stops. It's just abounding and abounding and flowing. That's the perfect picture of God's love. God's love flows in abundance and never runs out. His love doesn't leave us feeling empty and wanting more. As the psalmist said, when he's our shepherd, I shall not want. And think about this, because he needs nothing from us, he's self-sufficient. He's the only one, the only thing in the universe who can want everything for us and nothing from us. He's the shepherd who will do anything and everything to protect and to provide for us. And in order to help us to get a firmer grasp on the reality of God's love, I thought, I thought I'd share with you the ultimate example of his love, the ultimate example, something that all of us ultimately need. Maybe some of us have, maybe some of us don't, but the ultimate example of God's love is his gift of salvation. The gift of salvation, you know, the forgiveness of sins, the, the new life, the being born of God so we can know God's love, which only comes from God himself. Salvation represents the ultimate act of, of God as shepherd, his protection and his provision. Look at John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. David writes about it. He was a shepherd boy before he became a king in the Old Testament. and He had to kill a bear and he had to kill a lion when they were threatening his sheep, of course, because isn't that what a shepherd does, right? He lays down his life for the sheep. Well... That's what Jesus came to do for us. He died on the cross for us, laid down his life for us because you see, we sheep have failed and the wages of our sin is death, but, but he never did. So he could die in our place and then give us what only he deserved, the life of the resurrection. And, and here's what you need to know. The cross is God's love providing for our great need. That's what the cross is. Romans 5.8 says it, God demonstrates. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't say it without fulfilling it. He's not like what we've experienced with each other so often. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I think we read past that too fast. What's that mean? He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still dismissing him and dissing him, while we were still rejecting him and not believing in him, while we were believing we were better off without him, while we were, while we were trying to be our own gods and, and casting him away, when we were his enemies, when we were spitting on his face and, and nailing him to a cross, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. Why would we ever run from this one as if he couldn't love us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there are lots of ways to make application here. I, I, there are so many different ways that this is relevant to us, but I, I decided to go on a very specific route, and, and I hope you'll look at all the different angles, the lenses of this, but, but I hope you'll go with me in this particular way when I know God's love, I, I can know true fulfillment. 
It's a very important personal application to what we've been looking at, to him being shepherd, to the beauty of that painting for us, the fact that God is the only true source, lasting source of, of love in this world, that we're driven for love. It's our greatest need, yet we tend to look in all the wrong places. When, when we look at all of that and start trying to piece it together to a meaningful experience in our 21st century lives, I think this is it. When I, when I know God's love, when I stop trying to find love through cheap alternatives, I can know true fulfillment. I, I can finally find what every day I'm trying to find through performance and pleasure and all the other things I'm doing in my life. I, I can finally know it. And think of that verse again, Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. What's it say? I shall not want. Okay, if I'm not wanting, what does that mean? I'm fulfilled. I don't see many people living like that. The guy in the mirror for me, not often. When I really am knowing God's love, not when I'm talking about it, not when I'm reading about it, not when I'm you know, having conversations, when, when I really know God's love, I can know true fulfillment I shall not want. And that's what Jesus said he came to give us. You know that, right? John 10, 10, I, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Are you experiencing that? This isn't just for new Christians or people who don't know Jesus yet. I'm so, so tired of older believers saying, yeah, give me something deeper. When you're experiencing total fulfillment, you won't be begging for a new inspirational thought. Take me deeper and I'll feel even better about myself. No, you won't. If you really understand his truth, you'll feel worse about yourself. I mean, when I know God's love, I can know true fulfillment I shall not want. When we aren't experiencing true fulfillment, it means we're obviously pursuing his love in all the wrong ways. We're doing it through performance or through other kind of thing. And it reminds me of a saying because we keep doing it, right? We, we keep pursuing it in the wrong ways. We keep coming up empty and we keep rolling the dice again on that. And it reminds me of an old saying. I love this saying. I've used it a lot over the course of my ministry, but it's so true. When the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> Stop saddling it up. It's dead. And yet every day we get up and we saddle the same old dead horse as if we're going to find what we're longing for through these cheap alternatives and we're not because our great need of love is God's name and when we don't have it, it's because we don't have him. We're not experiencing him fully. We're not experiencing his love. So can I ask you this question? Do you know the fulfillment that comes with opening your life to and fully experiencing his love? I didn't ask you if you said a prayer 20 years ago, Jesus saved me. I, do you know the fulfillment that comes with opening your life and experiencing the fullness of his love? Or are you still trying to fill your life with all the, the things that can never truly fulfill you? 
I, I bet you you're like me and you have room to expand the flow of God's love in you, right? Well, wherever we are in relation to God's love and the fullness that only he can give us, I think it's vitally important to understand the how. All right, how can we know the fullness of God's love? How can we expand our experience of God's love? How can we experience God's love more fully? Well, here, I'll just give you a couple of ways, then you could go further on your own. It starts with, of course, the first way is you have to accept the gift of his love. And you do know anytime anyone gives us love, that's a gift. When it's pure and true and good love and it's not selfish and taking stuff, it's love and God's love for us is a gift we have to accept. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by God's grace you've been saved through faith and this isn't from yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Isn't it interesting that religion has made receiving God's love an issue of performance? Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and you might measure up to God's love. No, that's not right. That's what we humans do to each other. That's a cheap alternative. It's not the real thing. It's not about performance. It's about accepting the gift. And of course, you can keep turning away from God's love and turning to other things, but they won't ever fulfill you. We're going to ultimately in our lives come to the place where we're desperate for his love and I am sure you've already been there or you are there now. The good news is that you can experience it right now, no matter where you are. But you have to accept it. And so before I share with you some other principles of this application, I. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just for a moment, wherever you are, you might be at one of our regionals or watching online or here in Plymouth, if you just bow with me in a word of prayer for a moment. And as we bow in prayer, if you're here and you're going, this is what I need. This is what I'm longing for, and I'm done with the cheap alternatives. I, I want to invite you to pray with me, and you might not know how to pray, but just take my words and make them yours, and in your heart, just say with me to God, God, I... I'm accepting your gift of love right now. I believe that you really did love me so much that you died for my sin so I could be forgiven. And so I confess my sin and give it to you. And I accept your forgiveness. I believe you rose again and can give me new life and so I accept that new life of love by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just before I give you these other thoughts, if you prayed with me, let me know, would you? We, we've put together some helpful stuff about how you can take next steps in your relationship with God, but you, to get it to you, we have to know you want it. And so we've made it easy. If you're in one of our services, uh, regional campuses or here in Plymouth, just take out the program, rip out the connection card, and there are boxes at every exit that tells you what to do. Just fill it out, and we'll send you that next step stuff. And you're watching online either live or on demand just do the same thing and we'll send you as well just hit the what next button and we'll send you this material as well but here's the second thought if we're really going to fully experience his love if we're going to keep moving once we accept the gift of his love then we have to make the commitment to never stop growing in his love I mean never stop growing in his love you know love is not an event right 
And a lot of people don't know that. Well, I said, I do. I put on the dress, I put on the tux, done deal. It's not working, I'll have to try another one. No, it doesn't work that way. Love's not an event. Love's something we, we have to be involved in and growing in. We have to never stop growing in it. The same is true with God. Look at Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. This is what Paul prayed for people like us to experience. He says, I pray that you grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Doesn't that give you Niagara Falls kind of language right there? And I'm praying that you'll just grasp how, how God's love is so abounding, more than 600,000 gallons per second of love all the time. And, and not only that, but I want you to know this is a personal experience thing. I, I pray that not only do you know it's abounding, but that you experience this love that is beyond our comprehension. I don't just know about it. Experience it. That's what I pray. And when, when this prayer is answered in your life, he says, you'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, of course. Because when you're filled with the love of God, which meets your greatest need, you'll no longer be needy. Do you see it? We need to keep growing in his love or we're going to limit the measure of God's fullness that we experience. And how do we keep growing in his love? Well, we, we have to daily expose ourselves to his love and we have to daily open ourselves up to his love. It is about staying open to love. You know, Roxanne, my wife, can love me profoundly, but I only genuinely experience that love and grow in that love if I'm staying open to it, right? If I'm shut off, it's blocked. Same is true with God. I mean, we have to stay open to his love. In fact, I was thinking of, I don't know why this thought came to me, but it's a lot like a, a garden hose. Have you ever seen a garden hose, a water hose? If you haven't, then you, you love maintenance as much as I do. Um, but a, a hose, you, you hook it up to a spigot, and let's say the spigot's working perfectly, you know, tons of water, and hook the hose up to it, and, you know, man, it's all going into that hose, and it's supposed to flow right through that, and all the water you need flowing right through that hose to wherever you want to take that hose to. But isn't it weird with me, because I'm not into maintenance, it's like often I'll put the hose on, the spigot will be working, I'll turn that thing on, and I'll go to the end of the hose, and nothing's coming out. I don't know what's going on, so I call someone. And it turns out, I mean, I, this is crazy stuff. It turns out, did you know hoses can get kinks that stop the water? Who knew? And we laugh about that. And you go, you're an idiot. And it's true. And by the way, I'm not kidding. That's how stupid I really am. But isn't it interesting how we don't understand this in our own relationship with God? All the love of God is abounding towards us and we say we're connected, but somewhere along the way we've gotten kinked up, we've, we've gotten twisted up. We've choked off his love. We're not open to it anymore. We're hardened to it and none of it's getting through and we blame him and we blame others and we blame life and we get bitter and we give up, but the truth is his love is abounding. It's us that have started trying to replace him with other things. And so daily, we need to keep ourselves open. And I have found getting into his, 
his great about me, the Bible, and hearing his love towards me is important. Talking with him is important. Here's an idea. In my car, turning off the news and listening to worship music or listening to the Bible being read to me or something. And by the way, this is an aside. It's got nothing to do with the talk. But if you're an atheist, you'll be happier if you turn off the news these days. Just a thought. (laughs) But I mean, staying open to his love by getting involved with other people who can encourage me and I can encourage them. That's why we do small group around here and try to do community connections. We serve with one another so that... We can stay open to God's love so it keeps flowing through us so that we can keep experiencing the full measure of his love. You see it? And then, just one last thought, once we've accepted the gift of his love and we're continuing to grow in his love, then you, you need to make the commitment to never stop sharing his love. Never stop sharing his love. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must also love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Look at there's a real problem with a hose that's attached to a working spigot that has no water coming out of the other side. And this is how many of our lives are. We keep coming to places like this church. We keep hearing about God's love. We keep learning about God's love. We keep hearing about it. We keep learning it but no love's coming out of our lives towards other people? Are you kidding me? That's not God's love. We're filling our lives with cheap alternatives. No wonder we're still empty. We need to let it pass through. We need to be sharing. You may say, how do do we share it? Well, there are so many ways to share his love. Yeah, with our words we can share love, but if it doesn't go beyond our words, it's pretty worthless, right? You know how you can share God's love? By serving someone else's need. That's why we have serving opportunities around here in the church and out of the church and around the world because when you start serving someone else's need, you're letting God's love flow through you. And you know what happens when God's love flows through you? You get filled up with more love. Do you know what happens when you don't let it flow through you? You get stagnant. And this is where so many of us are. Well, I'm just not experiencing it. Release some of it. Untangle your hose. Let it flow through you. Start serving, being generous, being giving. I mean, one great way to serve people, invite people to be a part of what we're a part of and you're just letting it flow through. It's our mission to wake the world up to Jesus by showing them his love, by letting his love flow through us, by telling the truth, letting it flow through us, by involving them, wanting to share it. The reality is that each and every one of us Each and every one of us has a great need for love in our lives. And with it, we can know and experience fulfillment. But without it, and I hope you'll hear me, we will be driven to meet that need in all the wrong ways. We'll make really bad choices, and some of you right now are making bad choices or on the precipice of a really bad choice. And you just need to know on the other end of that bad choice will be greater emptiness because that horse is dead. It's time to stop riding it. The great news is is that God's love is always available to us, always abounding, just like Niagara Falls. But it's up to us to open ourselves up to it, to attach our lives to it. God has a name. 
and his name is love. And when we're not experiencing love, it's because we're not experiencing him. But that can be experienced in a moment by simply connecting ourselves to him, opening the door of our lives. My prayer is that each and every one of us will experience God's love in all of its fullness this week. But not just this week, for the rest of our lives, because to know God is to know love, because it's his name. Thanks for being here, everyone. See you next time.